Re- okay, really? Shut up. I, I realized what I was saying as soon as I said it. Is Corey Phelan going to have to choke on <laughs> you? <laughs> Welcome to the Arcaspeak Podcast. I'm Evan Troxell. Each episode, Neil Pan, Cormac Phelan, and I have a casual conversation about all things architecture, and we invite you to listen in as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the blocks of Carbusier's City of Tomorrow more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we stand around the water cooler and talk about why we love our chosen profession. It's time for some Arcaspeak. Welcome to episode 32 of the Arca Speak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And Evan, we have a friend of the show to announce today. Yeah, this week, Jonathan Brown, also known as Mondo Tiki Man on Twitter, donated $25 to the Arca Speak podcast. And we appreciate it very much, Jonathan. Thank you. And everybody should follow Jonathan on Twitter. It's Mondo underscore Tiki underscore man. Always a good conversation. Definitely. And uh, he's an architect in Texas who does work on a lot of housing. And uh, he, he posts a lot of cool stuff. And he's got a great blog, too. So if you'd like to get your name read on the podcast, please go to com slash donate and click the button. We would appreciate it. Every dollar helps. Thanks. I had a friend of mine actually take an exam today as well. And the only reason he did is because if he didn't take an exam by April 31st this year, his five-year rolling clock would expire and he'd have to do IDP. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why Why do you care? You're never going to get your license. Although, this being said, I just found out like a, two weeks ago, the firm he's been with for 18 years, they do high-end custom homes and wineries and things like that. I mean, like in Hawaii and for like they did uh, Paul Ottonelli's uh, place uh, here in the Bay Area that, you know, that's the CEO of Intel. Mm-hmm. I mean, real f- freaking high-end stuff, right? And uh, the both, the one owner, the it's like two firms in one. And one of them's got nothing to do, hasn't had anything formed to do for weeks. And the other firm's just like slowly going away. Wow. And so he's like, yeah, I'm going to have to start looking for a job. Wow. So it's like first time in 18 years, he's going to have to be looking for a job. And I feel sorry for him because, I mean, he's kind of been stuck in AutoCAD doing his own thing in his own world for you know, a lot of years. And, you know, when I I just looked at jobs on the AIA's website today, and it's like, if you don't have Revit, nobody will talk to you. Every job posted, except for one, wanted Revit skills. Yeah, it's mostly commercial, though. I mean, there's still uh, residential out there that is still holding strong to AutoCAD and all of the other Like, just all the other programs. Um, You know, and to be quite honest with you, they're they're smart, though. I mean, unless you have high-volume residential work, 
Mm-hmm. It's never going to pay for it. You know, I mean, if you're doing like a, you know, a thousand dollar, you know, renovation project or a couple thousand dollars and, and, you know, you just, your overhead and everything else. I mean, ultimately it would pay for it if you, we had steady work coming in, but I mean, I'm not saying that it's not a good thing. I'm just saying that, um, smaller firms or solo guys. I mean, that's a no, huge but, amount but of money. Cormac, to, it's really not to drop because on a if you want to buy AutoCAD, you're dropping. I just saw it, uh, AutoCAD for Mac because that's what I looked up. Forty two hundred bucks is Re- is Revit more? I you know I, <laughs> it's like uh, is, you know, did it go down? I, I thought it was like around that. seven. Are you kidding me? Revit is seven grand. I don't know. Well, you know, they have a subscription now. I don't even think you can buy that stuff standalone, uh, can you? I'm sure someone someone could tell us. So, uh, Cormac, you're right. Revit Building Design Suite, sixty eight twenty five. Regular price. Gra- so seventy eight seventy eight fifty with the subscription. Seventy eight fifty? Are you kidding me? Eight thousand dollars? Yeah. No, yeah. where where is that at? Add to cart. And uh, no, are you? I'm adding to cart. Yeah, oh. go to tax return. Goodbye. Do it. Buy it. Wait. Oh wait. Oh, that says up. No, no, buy. Buy <laughs> online. It says sixty eight twenty five. Okay, yes. so if I say add to cart, say add subscription first, because you want that. Oh, cloud. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Oh, also. Tack on the that, that's um, the seventy eight cloud render. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think so because if you yes, it says uh, future save on future upgrades and gain cloud features. That's yeah. seventy eight fifty, so that's eight grand. So it's a thousand dollars more. And we have twenty five yeah. seats at the office. Oh, serious? Yeah, it's a yep. huge investment. That's a that's two hundred grand. Holy Tola. Wow. I see you can just do a desktop subscription. Let's see. Oh, that's annually with basic support and it's 34.15. Oh, you know what? The price I was looking at was the perpetual license. Right. Okay. So this is better. So if you just get the desktop subscription, you pay annually with basic support it's only thirty four hundred bucks. Okay, so now you know that's yeah, that's more reasonable. Yeah, but that's a, a year. Yeah, you have to pay if you paid seventy eight hundred dollars every year. You know, thirty five hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah. No wonder why people pirate this. And, sh- and these guys come out with a new version every year. Every so year, you gotta upgrade. You don't have to, but. Well, you you do if, like, say you're working with uh, MEP or structural engineer who they're like, yeah, we're using Revit, but we're now using Revit 2014, and you're on 2013, and they- you got to upgrade. Anytime they open up your stuff, you have to upgrade. Oh. Because this is not backwards compatible. It is not like AutoCAD. You can't save down a version? Nope. Nope. You cannot save down a version. Get the- out serious wow and when you hit that magic little button that says to uh open the one-time upgrade yeah 
And then you upgrade your model to 2014. It doesn't go back. Anybody who's got 2013 better put 2014 on their machine. Whoa, get out. Yeah, I've got, I think I have back to 2011 on my machine. Yeah, I've, I've actually, I had them clean all the crap off because I was like, look, we're all now have 14 projects. All of the projects that I've finished, you know, I did CA. I went ahead and upgraded the one that, like uh-huh. that was started in 2009, and just I went ahead and upgraded Whoa. it to 14. Honestly, it's it's right, easier right. and it well, you know, VectorWorks is similar in that it doesn't if you draw open any better, a, but. Uh, VectorWorks say 2013, 2012, 2011 project. Uh, or, or any file, right? Any file that was uh, created with the prior version, it will automatically upgrade it to the, to the current version. You know, so right now it's 2014. So if you open a 2012 file in 2014, it will upgrade it. it what's nice about it is it tells you that and it says it's going to save a new version of that file in the new, um, you know, in the new format. So it'll keep your old one, but it'll create a new file. That's a 20 and label it with 2014 so that it, you know, you know, it's a 2014 file, but if you make changes to that, any, you know, if you're using 2012, you can't, you can't open that 2014 file. You're screwed. Right. At that point. So in that case, it's, it's very similar to this. You have to call up the person that sent it to you or you got to go to somebody else's machine and say, Hey, save this down for me. Right. Right. Um, with, but you can't, you're saying you can't do that in Revit. Can't do it in Revit. You can do it in, in AutoCAD. CAD, you, you can't can do, do it that. in Revit. In fact, one of the, yeah, yeah. But, but, but still, if you open a 2010 file in 2014 uh-huh. and save it and forget to, you know, and then you go back and try to open Here's, it back up in 2010, right. yeah, you just gotta reset. it won't. You just have to resave it. You have to resave it down. That's why but, I use draft, draft site. Know, we'll do, we'll do um, any of that. It's free. Well, one of the features AutoCAD does have, though, is you can set the preference to say, um, you know, I've got AutoCAD 14, and I can say, okay, yeah, every time I use this, save down to 2010 and make that the standard. Uh, in fact, that's a feature they just added, I think, in AutoCAD. No, 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 no wait. In AutoCAD 2014 for Mac, they just oh. added that preference. It be I, before I, I honestly you could save down, but you had to do it manually. There was no yeah. way. There was no preference setting. Oh, there wasn't. A pre- no, okay. there was no preference setting in the in, Mac version. On PC, on PC, it's been around for a while. Yeah. What's nice um, though about AutoCAD is they only that. up. They only change the format every three years. So if you're using AutoCAD, you know, 2014, uh, an AutoCAD 2012 will still open that file. It only changes like every three years. I re- I don't like the Mac version. Really? It's all, the only reason I don't like the Mac version is because I'm so used to the PC version. Right. It's completely different. It is. Yeah, but don't you just use the keyboard shortcuts, or are you a no? I'm icon. an icon. You're really? an icon guy. Yeah. Oh, you're, yeah. you're a slow. You're slow. Then forget. I don't want to no, hire you. I I guarantee that I'm faster than anybody else in my office. Wow. I use the keyboard commands. I'm, I'm actually pretty fast. In the well, here's, I mean, here's what Cormac I, does: you click the icon, and then you 
then you hit the little print icon and you, and then you redline the shit out of the drawing. You say, look how fa- how much faster I am than you. <laughs> no, uh, no. Nice. Uh, AutoCAD. Um, um, I can do AutoCAD blindfolded. Uh, Revit. I'm getting a lot better at. Um, wow. I had. <clears> I still no haven't idea. done a complete model out of it. You know, I've done like you know the a lot of interior work. You know, like all the drafting um, stuff like that. I like Revit so much better. Uh, I do if it can be done if it can be used right. It's just I hate in the in. It's not that I hate Revit. It's I hate the bullshit excuses that Revit seems to offer up to people who don't know what the hell they're doing. It's like, well, that's the way Revit draws it. Well, everything's customizable. No, you mean you can't close a uh, corner, you can't join a oh, wall. Yeah. Most of the time, you can. You know, oh no, that's the way that Re- you know Revit draws it that way because you know this is a column and that's a this and that's a that. So you're saying that I should live with my drawings looking like <laughs> that's the way the world's going, right there, my friend. The drawing is not yeah, like well. A all we'll do is we'll do a masking region over it. So the right. model will still be wrong, but our drawings yeah. well, will look there are right. limitations to a, a two-dimensional representation versus well, a 3D model. Well, okay. For sure. Yeah. Not really. Because everything that you draw in 2D, it's intentional. Uh, you know, it's not modeled, sure. But if you're you're building off of 2D drawings, everything in the 2D drawing means something. Yeah. If you're modeling it and you're relying on the model to be your 2D drawings and the model isn't up to par for what you're trying to create, you know, then you then you sit there and you draw all this shit, you model it all up. It's not right, so now you have to go back in again and kind of draw over the top of it <laughs> to make it look right. So you're doubling up the work that otherwise you it's could have gotten wash. it done. It's a wash. It's a one and done. Not for me. I yeah, mean, that is because you're not coordinating all those drawings together. I, I all of my plans are coordinated because I use layer management, and all I do is just I draw. I mean, um, and I just draw over the top of things. I all of my RCPs and everything <laughs> else. Now I yeah, I limit it to. I'm the only one who can work on it, but whatever. <laughs> if you don't know what the hell you're doing, get out of my drawing anyway. Yeah, that doesn't work in a big office. Well, it's interesting. But, uh, it's interesting <clears throat> to hear you say that, Karnak, because that's exactly the sort of frustration I'm encountering in the, my chosen tool right now, which is VectorWorks. And I've just I'm working on this um, uh, second story edition for this house, so I modeled it right. And I'm like, okay, great. I have this model. I'm trying to generate my elevations from it. But, you know, things just either I don't know how to model it well enough, but there's just certain things that just don't come out right and, um, you know, or just don't look right. And and I actually took the the model and shot elevations of it, right? Kind of like saved a view of it so I could use it as a background. And then I drew over the top. Yeah. 
because it, it's like, I can't like, for instance, now this is just my own lack of knowledge. You know, there's shutter, there's some fake shutters on this house. So an old seventies house, it's got these shutters on it. And, um, I didn't have, you know, cause like I can, I can select the window and I can say, yeah, there's shutters here and it'll show a shutter. Great. I can even show multiple types of shutters, right? But for the life of me, I couldn't get the exact shutter, the style of shutter that's on this house. Now, if I knew a little bit more about the program, maybe I could have made one and had it inserted so that it would be part of the collection of different shutters I could have chosen, but I don't know that yet. And so it's like, okay. Well, a lot of that stuff, you have to make it yourself. I mean, that's oh, yeah. that's true yeah. with we any is that right? CAD program, whether it's SketchUp oh, yeah. Yeah. or AutoCAD you, even, or anything. you got to make all that stuff. And that's that's yeah, really I mean, the killer, I think, uh-huh. of any of these programs is because you're trying to just choose one, right? Every all architect right. out there is trying to just get away with choosing one. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and I don't think people put much thought into that that library situation is a big deal. Yeah. And so yeah. that's really, I think, why... Revit and SketchUp have taken over the industry, right? Because SketchUp has the Google warehouse or whatever it is now, the Trimble warehouse. Right. right. And, and they have their extension manager built right into the, the system now. And, and then you've got Revit that has Autodesk Seek behind it. It has RevitCity.com. It has these sites where there's these enormous collections of a bunch of junk, plus, but uh, there is a lot of good go stuff. To- and the manufacturers. Yeah, you go to every manufacturer. Every manufacturer has a family that you can download. And right. man, they're shitty, but but there's oh yeah, but they get they're a starting point, right? That's going to save you a ton of time up time up front, right? And if you're if you get to the point where you are um, doing the smart keying and the in linking it to like the e specs and all that other stuff, um. And you're using, you know, like say you're using Conier's um, curtain wall right. system as your basis of design, and you actually use their system and you tag it like that. Then, you know, all of your details. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you guys do it. We don't do it, but I really wish we would. And that's um, when we, uh, you know, do all of our uh, wall sections and stuff. Include the include the spec section number. Yeah. I mean, we, we break it down like, you know, by division, you know, it's like, you know, division five, seven, nine, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but I really, you know, I've, I've seen some really good looking, smart, um, sets of drawings that include spec sections, not on the drawings, but just it, re- you know, that detail reference, you know, mm-hmm. if it's copper flashing, it's gonna, you know, reference the, the area in the spec that, um, you know, the copper flashing spec you know, kind of thing. So yeah. the shortest makes my head hurt. <laughs> well, it's complicated, right? And I mean, there's p- people that I, I've done consulting with people who have changed their mind eight different times on what they're going to oh, use. Yeah. And, and the whole time they're agonizing over what to choose. They could have been drawing stuff. I, I, I honestly, you know, I think this is a, a good topic to talk about because Architects all struggle with this technology stuff, you know, because it is their livelihood at this point. And they don't, I don't know how to say this. It, it's, it's like they don't want to 
actually do the work it takes to, to create a system for themselves. And the whole office has to rely on that system. I mean, you deal with this, Neil, right? I mean, you, you finally honed in on something. Um, but it took you a while, right, to pick one. Uh, you mean as far as like a, a a CAD system to to work with? Yeah. Well, I mean, I had I had to limit myself in that. Um, I mean, I'm only going to choose a Mac based solution. So Revit's off the table for me because I'm not. I mean, I we we have a lot of friends on Twitter. Um, that use Revit and they'll use it on their Macs. You, you yourself, Evan, um, you know, will use it in parallels or, uh, or in boot camp. And it's like, you know what? I, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stay my, you know, in my Mac environment 20, you know, all the whole time. I don't want to deal with windows. And so, you know, I mean, that instantly eliminates that program from my, from my choosing list. If I'm going to stick to that, um, you know, so I've got to go with a Mac native application. And so, you know, that, that made me have to consider, you know, really in my view, there's, there's two big options out there and that's Vectorworks and or, uh, Archicad. And those are the two programs really now there's, there's several others out there. Um, in fact, I know for, um, you know, for a lot of residential work that, um, oh God, what's that name of that program? Um, Chief Architect? Chief, yeah. Chief is very popular. And I know they, I believe they have a Mac version now. So, yeah, they do. Um, That's another BIM app. Uh, isn't that more of a 2D app, though? I, nope, I, not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. Well, I stand yeah. corrected. They've, 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 you know, made some changes. But, uh, I, yeah, I heard it pretty, pretty great. Okay. I haven't looked at it myself, but I, I have looked at their website and looked at some videos and stuff. Right. And it looks pretty cool. Yeah, it looks like it's really intuitive. I think. What is, what is that one? Chief Architect. Chief. Hmm. It's it's very popular with some interior designers I know. Um, but yeah, it um, you know, it, it's a tough. Yeah, it is Mac and, and Windows now. So, and well, it and does have the BIM quality. Or, or the the 3D now, so well it's a it's a whole smart model, you know. It, it yeah, it's BIM. The thing that I liked I like about Archicad that's different from Revit is Archicad evolved from its 2D form to where it is now. You know, starting. No, to, that's the other you, way around. You're thinking Vectorworks. No, Vectorworks started as MiniCAD. As a 2D only, but Archicad was always 3D. But what I'm saying is, it didn't have the full like BIM. It didn't world have that we have now. No, it didn't. It's been around forever. But I mean, that's what I'm saying is, is that so users who were using, you know, Archicad, the 3D modeling, and all of that other stuff, they were used to it, and so when they integrated all of the BIM aspects to it, they were still essentially using just a newer version of the same stuff they've been using. Right. A lot of people who jumped into the, um, the Revit, you know, short, you know, deep end of the pool, whatever you want to call it. They look <laughs> like you auto de- I, I will definitely say that AutoCAD and, you know, this is purely my own opinion. 
AutoCAD is actually a really good drafting tool. You know, it's got some good tools and you can crank out drawings really fast. I mean, you know, even though I use icons, Evan, <laughs> uh, and use key commands, I'm just, see, I, I actually learned how to, my very first drafting program was MicroStation. Me too. And it was, well, all, I can't say that. But. And it was, and you know that MicroStation was icon based. Yeah. So I was so used to doing that that I just learned quickly where all of the icons for um, AutoCAD was and just kind of kept going with it. I mean, yeah. I slowly but surely started to learn all of the shortcut commands and, and I use, I kind of use them both at the same time. So I'm like keying something in, then clicking one, and then, you know, just I can't back. find anything on an icon in AutoCAD. I, I, I only use keyboard. Well, but I also you know. started with MicroStation, and that's why I liked it. I liked how it oh, was I, icon-driven, and that's how Form Z was, and they kind of really went well together back when I was in college, and MicroStation yeah. was even on the Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. not anymore, right? But um, yeah, no, they, they, it was a great CAD program. I mean, I'm sure it still is. It is, they, and now they it's lost BIM, me. and it yeah. evolved into the BIM. The thing is, is that, I mean, and a lot of, I know a lot of civil engineers love it, use it still to this day. Yeah. Um, in fact, the, you know, one of the largest uh, civil engineering firms in the state of Maryland, who also happens to be the go-to uh, firm that we use, um, you know, they, they convert all of their stuff from MicroStation to AutoCAD so that we can bring it in. So. You know, and, and which kind of kills me because we're doing everything in Revit and, you know, we're getting like the third version of it when we bring it into Revit because it's, you know, it goes from MicroStation to AutoCAD now to Revit. Yeah. Um, well, you know. but that's the thing. Everybody has their own favorites and they all, at yeah. least they all talk to each other. You know, that's one thing I have on on my Get Method site is... I have a cheat sheet that, and it it, it isn't all inclusive of, of all these different BIM programs because I just I don't have the time to to test all that out for all you lazy architects. But um, you know I don't have MicroStation on there. I have AutoCAD on there. But you know they all do talk to each other. Every right. one of these programs talks to each other. Unfortunately, all of the really good things about each program don't get transferred right, and that's kind of where the strengths and weaknesses get picked between why someone might like to use Revit or someone might, might like to use ArchiCAD or Vectorworks is they all kind of have their own way of doing things and to each their own, right? There's, there's pros and cons. They all kind of do the same thing, but they all do it a little bit differently. And, uh, but when you do translate from one to the other, you do lose some of that special sauce that each one of them has. So, but at least you can get, your civils microstation drawings in and you can't right. get your AutoCAD drawings in as backgrounds and you can spit everything out as AutoCAD and, um, or throw it into SketchUp or bring something in from SketchUp or Formsy or whatever. I mean, it, it's, it's all, it's all doable. See, I haven't, I haven't actually, I mean, I use, I used uh, SketchUp and AutoCAD a lot together, yeah. but as of right now, I have yet to use Revit and SketchUp together. Well, I can give you kind of my procedure of how I do it um, is I, I model everything. In our office, most, most of the designers are using SketchUp, but I use FormZ. We have some Bonsai users too, but we always start in a program like that. We never start in Revit. And there's a bunch of 
um, religious Revit folks in the office who say, you know, why don't you use Revit for everything? And I don't, I honestly don't want to use Revit for everything. There's, I, I don't want to sell my soul to that. Um, and I know that they've made great strides in that with Vasari and, and with lots of cool stuff. And, and actually Archicad has done the same thing. And in their most recent release, they've got a bunch of cool new morph tools and interesting modeling tools to make right. it more easy to create conceptual design in. And, and the nice thing about parametric modeling programs like Archicad and Revit is that it is so easy to modify things. That's actually, I, I've heard where, where the name Revit comes from because it was short for revise it because it, it's designed to be able to make changes, right? With all this stuff, because in the old days, we, we, we would, like you said, you either draw over it or you would start over all the time. Um, so at least now with the parametrics, you know, you can change wall thicknesses and heights and you right, can change right. the bri- the makeup of the wall and you can change yeah. the dimensions between the walls. I love that. Or kind of the stuff. color of the brick even. Yeah, it's you great, know. right? Yeah. Um, but it's cumbersome to do conceptual design in. You it is. You can't work fast. And no. that's why so many people, well, and the other reason people love SketchUp or FormZ is because of just the graphic quality of the presentation that you can get out of it is is pretty easy to digest for especially people who don't understand architectural drawings, right? For clients. Um, but so we always start there and then we understand the project more and more, right? That's the process we go through is we understand more and more and we add more detail here and we make changes there. And we kind of know that everything's in flux up to a certain point. And then what, what I do is I make that, that model available to whoever's drawing it in Revit because then we, we make the jump to Revit, but we start over at that point. Hmm. And I don't know what your guys' um, procedure at that point is, but we don't take a model in and draw on top of it. We actually start from scratch in Revit so that we don't make the same mistakes we've already made because yeah. there's a lot of mistakes in conceptual models, especially if you're using SketchUp. It is a the geometry is not good. It never is good. There's always problems with the geometry unless you're, you know, a, a seasoned professional. I'll say that. Right. But um, we always start over because now Revit forces you to think about things differently. It forces you to think, like, how is this building actually going to get built? And that's a great way to build a model in BIM is to think about it, how the building's going to get built. and Start at the bottom and work your way up. And... uh you have to make modifications along the way, but you're always referencing that conceptual model for design intent throughout the process. Um, and I, I think that's a great way to go. I don't, I don't like the idea of doing everything in one program and having to revise it 20 times. I just kind of cringe every time you do a major revision on a model, knowing that it's screwing something up somewhere. Everybody knows those, those warning boxes that pop up in Revit. (laughs) Everybody who always ignores those, Right in the office, who's working on the project? It's it can become a nightmare later on. It can really slow the the whole model down. So now I had you know, uh, let me throw that little horror story in there of of something that recently happened. So now I have six people working on this uh, one high school project because it's short. Um, you know the the short schedule. I've got to turn it around really fast. I've got basically a month and a half now to get you know bid documents done and where you know, at whatever stage we're at. And so, <laughs> and, uh, 20% CDs. Well, well, I, 
Now we're probably somewhere around about 60, 65 ish. 62.3. Actually. I just checked. Yes. Thank you. You audited the model. I did. Thanks. Uh, can you can you join all those damn through walls? the Autodesk cloud, cloud. service? Yeah, but, but I paid fourteen hundred dollars a year. So you know I've got all these people work on it, and everybody's like you know picking up red lines, this, that, and the other. And I basically you know yelled across the office, "Please pin the work," because I'm I'm looking at all all I was doing in the model was just looking at things. I was uh you know. Um, just checking to make sure that, you know, certain things have been picked up. So I'm, you know, flipping through and I'm like, why does this look weird? Sure enough, a, a floor that's been there for months is now gone. And everything that was attached to that floor is gone with it. You know? I never use those locks or pins or anything. Oh, I, oh. I, I, they're a nightmare because of that. You, you're, well, I'm now making them pin stuff that is never going to move again. I'm now says making you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> says well, you, <laughs> says me. Yes, but you know. All right, for for me, who's I mean, wall, has you know, no idea what you're talking about. Walls and floors are disappearing for no reason. Is is pinning like locking it so that yes. it doesn't yeah. move? Yeah, it's like locking an element. Okay, yes. all right, thank you. And you and you can just do like one thing, like a text box, or. You can do like your know, the entire structural model or something. You know, you can pin it so that it doesn't go anywhere. Um, well, and, I, and, it'll, it'll, and it'll pop up with a dialog box, basically sitting there saying, uh, "You know, the element you're trying to delete is locked." Right. <laughs> if you'd like to uh, delete it first, think about it because you really shouldn't. Well, I think these are just the growing pains that you kind of go through. You, you'll probably oh, yeah, get to yeah. a point where you won't have to do that anymore. True. Well, I mean, it's, it's like drawing on the right work set, you know, or it's like, you know, I, I had a similar situation where I was working on a new elementary school and every day I went into the model, a three story set of stairs was gone <laughs> because for the exact same reason, somebody wanted to mod, they kept wanting to modify this one thing and it, they were <laughs> locked together. Right. And yeah. so every day I'd go in there and I'd have to remake that set of stairs. And it was not a simple thing to do. No, no. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's it's a it's a crazy thing. The, I mean, the other huge growing pain that we had was we had an, a different department, our interior architecture department, which is on a different floor, and there was a bunch of people in that department who who didn't know Revit, and what they would do is they just open up the model, look around. Oh, that's not supposed to be there, and and close it. No, they would just close it, right? But guess what happens when you open up any view in Revit, hmm. right? Hmm. You own it. Yeah. And so then what would happen is we'd be up there drawing away and all of a sudden I can't get into this elevation sheet. Well, somebody so-and-so got into that sheet and didn't, didn't sync with central. And they didn't relinquish. They didn't relinquish their elements, their view <laughs> in this case, right? And so it's like, okay, now you have to call them down. I need you to open it back up. And because they just think of it like AutoCAD. And I think one of the biggest hurdles for a lot of people with any trying any new program is everybody thinks of that new program like they think about the other one that they already right, know right absolutely and that's a big deal i mean a lot of we have to go into these with an open mind and and we can't feel stupid asking questions how do you do this in this program but there's a lot of things like that that you would never even think to ask i do know that if you uh hit um z space e space 
that it does actually <laughs> zoom extends. <laughs> yes, it does. I was just like, holy shit, it works. Because I completely <laughs> forgot that I was in Revit. And I was like... Tick, 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 tick. You just hit Z-E. Yeah. That's it. It's all two-letter key- keyboard shortcuts instead of single. Yeah. Or single and double. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, this works. Great. You know, it's probably the only one that I actually... I don't... I have yet to actually bother to learn any of the... Uh, I'm just trying to figure out, all right, where's, how do I, how do I put text in here? Uh, yeah. Annotate. The, the other weird thing I had was, uh, I was working on a performing arts building. It had this giant wall that kind of went down, bisected the theater from the lobby. Mm-hmm. And there were all these floors kind of attached to that wall. Right. And, uh, somebody in our interiors department opens it up goes in there and they're looking around and they didn't know that if you select something like a wall and hit the space bar <laughs> that the wall flips orientation automatically <laughs> yeah. right so doors do this walls do this there's different elements where yeah. you can just tap the space bar and when a floor is locked when an edge of a floor is locked to an element like a wall mm-hmm. and you flip it it shot these spikes off like two miles out. <laughs> and I go to open the model and I hit what, like ZE, right? And it's like, where'd my model go? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like this little, spe- it's this teeny little speck in this, this little dot, right? And so you're scrolling, 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 trying to get back in there. And, and everything is just mangled. Uh, looks good. Start over. And you got to walk Guys, down there with your head hung low. It's like Tom Mahina. Uh, are we yeah. making are we making our lives co- too complicated? Well, look, no, honestly, uh, there's there's it depends who you ask. Well, yeah, there it, it is. I mean, as much as I fought and complained and all that other stuff, really, once you get, you've got to just close your eyes and jump in. Well, actually, no, you got to keep your eyes wide open because you got to pay attention to what you're doing, but. <laughs> Well, there's, there was a recent article and I, I need to look up where I saw it, but it was, um, is BIM making us taking the art out of architecture? Didn't you guys see that one? No, that's no, but that's you BS. Know, it is but because it's a tool. It's, it's a tool, just a drawing tool. I yeah. Mean, but, and you know what? I, it will. I mean, if Evan, I mean, you are a great example. I mean, you are, you know, you're, you're the, you're a project designer, right? Uh, yeah. in your city that's, that's a fine title sure i, I guess uh, wh- whatever <laughs> depends what firm you're at you the bitch boy cad monkey right <laughs> no i mean you know so you're sitting there and you're doing all of these different the sketches notes. and everything else and so you know now you start to model it and all this other stuff i mean now it can actually legitimize what you're working on it, it can help you kind of visualize some things i mean it, it's a good tool whether it's sketchup whether it's you know uh revit whether it's autocad i mean all of these are just tools to help you visualize i mean we honestly you know to you know shed a tear that i have over not building physical models we've Mm -hmm. stopped building physical models in our office i mean i haven't Mm. i don't remember the last time a physical model has been built in that office must be sad. Uh, I, I probably was the last one to build it. Like, probably you could couple, change that, you know. Oh, I know. 
<laughs> Not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When I get a project in October and they say, oh, and it's going to bid in January. Yeah, I'll get right on that model. <laughs> yeah. As long as that model is yeah, in what... a little box called Revit. It's too bad interns don't know how to build models anymore. Oh, my God. They're like. So I, I was, I actually did not too long ago. I, I, I guess I can kind of scratch that last statement. I did build like a little small model just to kind of look at a space that I was trying to work out. And they were just like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm making a model of this space. They're like, you know, the only models that we ever, they're, they're like looking at me. Just you know, but it's not on a two-dimensional uh, LCD screen. I, yeah, I can't. Well, or they're just like you know, does not compute. They're they're just like you know, um, we don't have a CNC machine or or you know, like the laser cutter and all this other stuff. And all they basically did was they like you know did like the laser cutter that print you know printed out whatever the two D thing they did in CAD, and all they did was just glue the corners together. Yeah. And that's it. You're like, wow. I mean, sure, that's awesome. But I mean, wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and then I get sad. these, these just things, you know, oh, I really wish that uh, well, I could learn how to sketch like you. Oh, shit. Grab a sketchbook and a pencil and just do it. Yeah. You know, it's not that hard. Stop watching TV at night. And start sketching. Stop, stop Stop! sending me links of all these torrents that you've downloaded, you know, or, or, or freaking these free TV.coms and stuff like that, you know, where you're too, <laughs> where you sit there and you watch all of these episodes of something on where you stream it from someplace in Timbuktu. <laughs> well, hey, I have a question and I'd like to hear what both of you guys think about this. So, a uh, uh, that that article was on uh, architosh.com and it was um how bim is crushing the art from architecture and how to stop it so maybe we can put a link to that in the show notes if people want to read it but um kind of on that same vein is one thing that i've noticed is that it seems like people who are and i had this question asked to me you know how can i get into design um, from, from somebody in, in one of our offices, you know, because they, they see design coming from certain places in the firm and not from others. And so I want to get in on that. And I guess, you know, one of my responses to him to, in the conversation was that, you know, I honestly think you can find design. It doesn't matter which part of the project you're working on. You can find something to design. And his response after that was he totally got it, but I don't think enough people think that way. I, right. I feel like we are in such a production efficiency numbers driven world in our offices, in architects offices across the country or around the world to where so much of picking up red marks is mindless mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. When there is so much opportunity to be thinking about the lines we're putting on the page and they happen to be digital lines, but they still have to mean something and they could mean something different depending on who's working on it. Right. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there that people aren't seeing that, that where they can contribute in a very meaningful, designful way on a project working on details, especially working on details. Oh, yeah. 
Um, but all kinds of stuff, flooring patterns. It doesn't matter what it is. But this also goes to project managers who use spreadsheets all the time to, to track all these hours, right? It's to, it's to me is, again, are we just mindlessly putting numbers in the robot? Or are we actually thinking about what those numbers mean and the work that we're doing and responding to how we work versus some idealized um, bean counters way of doing things that's invaded its way into our practice? I mean, what do, what do you guys think about that? Huh, that is a, <laughs> that's a well, lot, man. I know. I was going to say, you know, your first, to your first point, Hmm. about design. I think you're absolutely right. There's design in, in all phases and all aspects of a project. Uh, I mean, one of the, one of the things I enjoyed and, you know, early on when, when we first started moving away from drafting by hand to on the computer was, uh, now instead of, I mean, back when we did things by hand, you know, when you first started to lay out a sheet, you had to kind of think, okay, uh, you know, how big is this plan? How big, how tall are the elevations and, and where, where is all this stuff going to maybe fit on the, on the sheet? Right. So you had to start drawing and, and have you guys ever had to erase? I mean, if you remember the old yeah. pre-printed vellum sheets, right. They had that big fat, you know, eighth inch wide border going around them. How, how often did you ever have to like erase part of that? Because a part <laughs> of your drawing literally went outside of the margin or right. into your title block because you couldn't move it. And so one of the, you know, more interesting things with dealing with CAD is that, okay, we don't have to deal with that now. It's like, Oh, okay. It's too big. Oh, change the scale, you know, or if that doesn't work, Oh, just move it over. Oh, we'll just move that whole thing to another sheet. You know, yeah, the only you way like, we did that before was we had to make a, a Xerox copy of it onto a sticky back and, and you know, literally paste it on another sheet that yeah. was or, or somewhere else on a sheet. Right. I mean, that was the only way you did it. So so CAD gives us the freedom to to design even the the layout and how the building looks on a sheet. I know a lot of uh, architects um, that we communicate uh, with on Twitter take a lot of pride in just even how their title blocks are designed mm-hmm. and, you know, how the drawings, um, you know, look. Uh, I know Nicholas, you know, he, he's real big on how his drawings look and, and how uh, uh, the whole thing lays out. And he's done a fantastic job and he's shared some of the things he's done uh, with, he, with me uh, and, and his drawings look beautiful. And to me, you know, that may not affect the actual construction of the house uh, uh, or maybe it does because the guys can actually read the drawings. It, but to me, exactly. I, and, that, and that's the, I like that. I like that. I, I like being able to design the layout and maybe that's kind of the graphic design, um, you know, uh, person in me. I, I like actually, I enjoy that part. It's like once yeah. it's drawn, I get to decide how it gets laid out and how it looks. And that was something I know when I was, um, you know, managing projects and had, um, you know, three or four people working for me, I, that I cared about that a lot. And so, but it's hard to get, an intern or, or somebody who's really new to really understand that. So the way I would phrase it to them is the, the plans have to be readable, you know, in talking things about line weights and things like that, or, or just how the sheet is organized. 
Um, because oftentimes when somebody's new that, you know, because you can see things on the computer so well and the colors really stand out, but then when you print it, it's all black and white. And sometimes things go right over the top and you can't read it, but it looks fine on the screen. Um, or they just don't see it on the screen. So my argument to them, or not really argument, the way I phrased it was these have to be readable for the people in the field. And so we want to make sure that we lay out the sheets in a, in a logical manner so that people can understand it. Right. You know, so to me, that was design, right? I mean, it's oh, maybe yeah. not the building totally. design, but to me, the, I, I enjoyed that. So, yeah. you know, but speaking to the other part, um, you know, that you were bringing up about, um, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here, but uh, I'll kick it back to you, Carl. Because well, I want to come back to this. Yeah, you know, I mean, let's let's go again. Let's go back to what you were saying, Evan. Every the, there is, in in fact, an old firm of mine. They used to preach that design is in every phase. That they're not architects; they're designers, which always kind of annoyed me. Is that you know they thought that they were separate kind of like disciplines or focus, which I I never really agreed with. I I felt like, you know, an architect is a designer and design is part of every part of, uh, you know, of an architect's job. I mean, whether it's literally starting from the contracts to the, you know, the way that you put together the model, the way you put together your drawings. I mean, even the way you go out and you, um, do CA CA is designed because what you're trying to do is you're trying to ensure that all of the effort and all of the work that you put together on your conceptual design through your construction documents, that all of it comes out and is built the way that you were hoping it was going to be built or yeah. even using that as a tool to figure out a better way to do it. The next time you use a detail or something like that, but to what you were talking about, Neil, with the layout of the drawings. I mean, I'm hugely anal about the way that I lay out my drawings because, again, and I say this a lot, we're building off of 2D drawings. You know, these drawings have got to be clear concise and readable. If you do the, you know, I kind of call it the shotgun method of drawing where you basically just, you know, put as much crap on there, you know, it's just a, and just craps all over the, um, the drawings. I mean, does that, does this detail really need to be here? I mean, why do you have a, a plan detail on an enlarged, you know, on a overall, uh, floor plan. I mean, why is this here? Why is that there? I mean, they just, well, we needed this information and, and the call out is right here. So why not put it on there? It's well, you know, let's make it all logical. Let's, let's work through it so that they can, instead of stuffing so much stuff onto one sheet, you can actually, you know, clean all that stuff off, make it clear, make it understandable. So in the end, make it buildable. I think there's lots of opportunity for what, you know, we, we kind of make the distinction between capital D design and little d design. Capital D design is very fashionable and look at me and look what I did. And, um, but, but little d design is what really matters. Yeah, I think I agree with you. 
Um, you know, cause everybody wants to be the, the big D design. They want their face in the magazine, you know, Ooh, look at me. I made architectural record. Well, you know, yeah, the big D design is for other architects. The little D design is for your actual clients. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a, actually, that's a fantastic way to put it because, you know, it's like, it, it goes back to, you know, when we were in the office talking about, um, the, uh, the website and everybody had their ideas and their input on what the website the new website should look like. And I kept coming back to him saying, everything that you're talking about is just creating a fashion show. It's, and it's It's for other architects, right? You know, it's to, to show (laughs) off to other architects. Ooh, look at me, look what I've done. But that's not our audience. That's not who we're trying to, you know, inform with, by our website. Our website is either for current um, clients that we hope to continue to have as clients or new clients that don't know us from Jack. You know, yeah. it's, it's showing them who we are and what we are, making it easy for them to understand who we are and what we are, you know, in the stuff that you and I do, you know, I this I don't think this really maybe applies. Maybe it does a little bit to residential, but something that we were talking about around the office last week was, was that our clients are really our clients, clients, right? They're, they're the kids in these schools. And those are the people that we have to create the environment for. And, and there's so many times when we're stuck in a problem because we're trying to solve it for a teacher or an administrator, um, instead of the actual people who are using the school for what it's been built for. Um, and I, and trying to please please them is, is really difficult because they've had these opinions for so long and they want to get their say. And, but, but really when it, what really matters is creating the environment for the, the kids who are learning there. Yeah. And I think that that's a, the same thing goes for like you're talking about with our presentations, with our websites, you have to speak directly to them. And I think we lose a lot of people in that. I know we're kind of getting away from that. Well, I want to I want to circle back around to what circle we back. started talking about with the the BIM and the technology side of it because I think one thing we didn't really cover when we first started talking about this is uh although Evan you you allude to it you talk about using the right tool for the job and how you use SketchUp early in the in the in your projects because you do just throw it away and I know one of the things that I wanted to not do is exactly what you described. Yeah, which, I remember you you bringing that up, and to me, it did, it didn't make sense when you. Well, and and I get where you're coming from, right. but it doesn't make sense practically for me well, because of how just the way we work. It's like a sure, study model, sure. And I'm 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 coming around to that thinking because interesting as as I dive more deeply into um, you know trying to do projects, um, you know. It, what you said earlier in the podcast was how, um, you know, Revit in, in your case, you know, you have to build it from the ground up and you have to, um, you know, really think about how it's put together and the hard, you don't have to, I I choose to, well, (laughs) no, but I I should say that. I think you're right because I think these, these, the, the idea of BIM and, and we may get some people that disagree with us and and we'd love to have your comments, but well, yeah, there's five ways to do everything. So I, I do feel that when you're trying to 500, (laughs) That's well, right. Yeah, probably. Um, every person you talk to will have a different opinion. But I think in general, what I what I'm discovering is that when you have to get down to that level of detail so early in a project, it becomes paralyzing 
and or you have to make so many decisions very early on you can't really move forward and so you do have to kind of start to strip away some of the uh the bim aspects so that you can just like let your mind free and and think a, a little bit more and i think um and this is kind of what i wanted to get back to which is using that right tool but and, and it kind of goes to what I said earlier about, are we making things a little too complicated? And I think maybe we're not making them too complicated, but using the wrong tool at the wrong time is making our lives more difficult than it needs to be. Well, you know, there's this interesting little phenomenon, too, going on. And it's something that we've done to ourselves. And um, the clients have now come, in fact, not just the clients we have, but the clients we will have, have all kind of come to expect us to, and I'm, I'm just going to craft this uh, term that I just popped into my head, uh, premature renderation, <laughs> where they're <laughs> expecting that you walk into that very first conceptual meeting with a completed rendering. With, you know, I want to see the pretty pictures. I want to see the eye candy and stuff. And they don't, we don't teach them the process or talk to them about the process where we shouldn't be doing all of that detail. We shouldn't be doing all of this stuff so early on in kind of getting hammered into, um, you know, a design that isn't 100% flushed out. Before, you know, we do this final presentation of saying, okay, this is what your building is going to look like. You know, a great example is this crazy high school project that I'm working on that um, we had to, you know, before we really had a chance to even understand the building and the scope of the building, they, we had to present to the board of education, you know, basically our plan of, what we're going to do to reskin this. So we got locked into something that one, we probably weren't oh. married to and two, it was not even flushed out. And so then yeah. basically we're having to work backwards to make the stuff that we've already shown them work. And, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's ridiculous that we get, you know, put in that position because that's not the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to work where you show them like, you know, what Evan's talking about. You basically, sh you start with the massing model. You start to pull it apart. You start to massage it a bit. You, you know, it, it starts to inform what it wants to do. And, you know, you know, do I want, I, I want to try this space and you mass it up and you're like, Oh no, wait, no, that, that, that space isn't going to work like that. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and have those opportunities for those, you know, like ahas and uh, moments, you know, yeah. and then, you know, but clients are expecting stuff so quickly, you know, and the problem is, is that we're obliging them. And it's not that, you know, we aren't, you know, trying to, we shouldn't facilitate helping them with a vision. But a lot of times, you know, if they're trying to, you know, if they're a developer and they're trying to market, you know, their next development and this is what it's going to look like, you know, it's just like, okay, Neil, give me five designs, you know, and you're just like, uh, and oh yeah, but I need it by tomorrow. <laughs> you're like, uh, uh and then you just, for some reason, say, okay, and then you give them, you know, five little pieces of eye candy. And then you spend the entire time now having to work backwards and making it work. 
um, rather than saying, give me a little while. Let's think about this. Let's talk it through. Let's really analyze it together as both client and architect to make sure this is exactly what you want. It's like, no, 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 no. I want it now, 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 now. <laughs> well, I think the, the perfect world is somewhere in between there, right? Because the realities are oh, yeah. that what your second scenario almost never happens because the you know, there's realities that go into uh, any project in, in timelines. So, uh, but then the the first part of your project or first part of your description, you know, is unfortunately the unrealistic and too often reality that happens. So, um, but I, I want to ask you guys another question because, you know, BIM and technology, it's, it's, it's a big thing. A lot of, there was a long or maybe a shorter transition from hand drafting to computer drafting. But now we've, we've got a lot of firms and I'm thinking maybe more smaller firms, not firms, you know, like what you work for, Evan, you know, they're, they're big, have multiple offices and things, but I'm thinking, you know, the majority of the architects out there, right. They're the smaller firms, you know, less than 10 people, um, that are doing a lot of work. Um, and, um, and maybe, maybe the majority of the work out there. Right. And so, I mean, how, how do those firms deal with moving from now, you know, they've, they've kind of maybe mastered CAD, right? Um, they're, maybe they're not super proficient at it, but, you know, hey, they get lines on paper, um, you know, plans go out. They, maybe they've built up a library over time. And now we've, we're seeing this uh, shift again to more of this, you know, BIM world. And, and I use BIM in a very, very broad sense. Um, yeah. You know, I, there's a lot Microsoft of Microsoft Excel as a BIM tool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, but, but I mean, you know, BIM in a very broad sense, it doesn't, I mean, it's models that with linking information and, and just, you know, creating your, uh, your elevations and plans all maybe in 3d from the beginning. So, I mean, using that, um, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of smaller firms out there that, you know, have established, have a long standing established, um, you know, method of drawing that, um, you know, they've been doing for 10 or 15 years now. And, yeah. and, you know, they're be- faced with throwing that all away. Exactly. And, and the problem you have is in some of these firms, you know, they've laid off everybody. Okay. There's maybe one or two people left and maybe they're starting to build back up, but you know, they don't have the time or the money or maybe even the projects to now throw all of that away and say, okay, you know, we're going to just go invest in, you know, uh, a different type of solution. Um, you know, where, what, how do those firms deal with that? Because it's a very difficult, you know, thing. I mean, they're either going to die out with the people that work there, you know, but that's another 10 or 15 years out from now, you know, I mean, or do they decide to shift and change, you know, because not, a, not a lot of, f- uh, smaller firms have kind of a, um, succession plan in place, you know, a lot of three to five people type firms, they're going to die out when that owner retires. So maybe there's not a lot of emphasis for those owners to say, you know what, in five years or within the next decade, I'm retiring. I'm hitting 70, 75, I'm done. And, you know, the, the firm's going to close up and everybody work there will move on, right? I mean, I kind of described, a, you know, a friend of mine uh, earlier and and if that portion is, 
in our podcast, once you edit it out or edit everything together, you know, I mean, he's been there for 18 years and the guy's older and he's, you know, slowing down and the firm is therefore slowing down. And so what happens to those firms and what happens to the people working there that have been there for 15 or 15 to 20 years that haven't had that, uh, you know, advantage of getting introduced to some of these newer technologies because the firms, you know, we all want to, right? I mean, we see this stuff. We all are kind of computer people. I don't think so. We want to maybe try and use it. I don't think so. But maybe, we don't have maybe the time. People, maybe people like the idea, but, oh, of course you have the time. I don't have, I don't have any sympathy for people who say they don't have the time for this kind of stuff. Okay. I just don't. I, and, and that's maybe my own viewpoint. I mean, I know there's some people like me out there, but I... I feel like I'm always learning and I always want to be learning. And if you go to my website and you look at the stuff that I'm trying out, I'm not, I'm doing that on my own time because I have to, because I want, that's the kind of person I am. I like to tinker with that stuff, but I also like to use it and I like to be valuable to myself. I like to be valuable to my firm and they're not investing that money into me, but they're not going to, they've got other priorities. You know, like keeping the doors open and keeping people employed. So, honestly, there's so many tools out there that can do the stuff you talked about that don't cost a lot of money. Right. But you seriously have to stop watching your shows at night and do it. You can go to community college. When I was teaching Revit at community college here, I had people in their 60s and 70s in my class because they were saying the same things you are. I'm obsolete, but I can't be. I have to put food on the table and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. You can't just sit around and complain about it. Right. Well, SketchUp does what you're talking about. SketchUp does elevations and plans and everything off of a 3d model. It comes with a layout program. It's $590 one time fee, no subscription. Right. Form Z does it too. Yeah. I don't think the cost is really, you know, I think a lot of people think yeah, there's well, a cost. Oh, there's not the a cost, cost is the let me, learning. Let me, the <laughs> cost is the learning and, and establishing the, the drawing methods and standards that you're going to need to generate your plans. See, it's not I mean, cost, really that- even, even something we were looking up Revit earlier, right? I mean, the desktop version was only 3400 and change. You know, the, the more expensive subscription-based sort of annual thing was, or, you know, fancier with the cloud stuff was 7000 something. But if you think about it, I mean, if even AutoCAD at four $4,000, I mean, you know, what do you have to do? One, two projects uh, and see, that's paid for, and right? See, a lot I mean, of people it's, don't it's look done. At that, it's not a lot of money. But a lot of people don't look at that return on their investment. They just see the straight out-of-pocket cost, you know. Oh, come on. I mean, I, I had mean, to. You're, you're right, Cormac. But, well, you know, you at, the end, at the end of the <laughs> day, seriously, how are you getting your damn work uh, done? I totally agree Are you totally generating with you. it with a pencil and a paper? or You, you can. Why not? Well, okay, fine. But it, you're not, right? So you're gonna you're drawing it on the computer. And, you know, you sign that first, you know, remodel job or that first edition job. And, yeah, maybe it doesn't quite cover the cost of your software. But, you know, maybe it does, right? And so suddenly you just have the ability to get your work done. Pay for the damn software. Well, you know, then there's... And do it, right? then there's always the, or, let's, you know, look at what is the right tool for the right job? I mean, if you're True. talking about, well, I'm going to come in and I'm going to do like a small little one bedroom addition to, you know, to a house or something like that is a $7,000, 
um, piece of software the right thing. Because you're honestly, if you did the job right, you would be spending a lot of time modeling the existing conditions and all that other stuff and going through all of that process. And your fees aren't going to merit, you know, um, spending $8,000, $7,000 on that big of, you know, on that software when you're really not, you know, when you don't need it. And so a lot of people right. are hesitant to move on to something like that because that's tip, you know, if you're like a sole practitioner and, and you're doing just, you know, houses, uh, like, you know, an addition here and there, they're probably convincing themselves. They're trying to talk themselves out of buying, you know, Revit because they can't justify the cost because they've got their fees are so low. But, you know, I look at it in a different way, like, because here you are, you know, you may just be doing smaller projects and stuff, but now you've got a program that will help you and give you the ability to, um, do bigger projects. If, you know, if you so choose probably quicker and more efficiently, if you actually, you know, just jumped in and did it, you know, jumped in and learned, um, you know, Evan, you were talking about, there's great resources out there on the web to teach you how to use this stuff. I mean, I'll teach you how to use this stuff. I don't, I like teaching people. how. Nobody's taught me how to, how to use it. I jump in there and I learn how to use it myself. No one ever taught me how to use microstation. Um, no one ever taught me how to use, uh, SketchUp. No one ever taught me how to use auto, uh, AutoCAD or Revit. And I'm actually other than Revit, you know, I'll go ahead and throw that out there. I'm pretty damn good at every one of the other ones. You know, I mean, some of Yeah, but you're just a project manager. Don't you just meet with yeah. people and do spreadsheets? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I can tell you there are a lot of people out there who are project managers who uh, are getting back to something you said earlier, Neil, about, uh, or maybe it was you, Cormac, saying, I want the pretty renderings up front. And there are yeah. so many people who are negotiating our contracts saying, yeah, we can do that because they have no right. clue what it takes to actually right. do the work. <laughs> right. Because they're completely removed from doing any of these things. And it's by their choice that they're, they're doing that. And I'm sure they, they say the same thing. You know, I don't have time to learn how to do that stuff. It's not my, the best use of my time, which maybe that's true, but also like walk around your office and see what it actually takes to do these, produce these things so that you can make these informed decisions when someone asks for something and you don't have to just say yes. You can say, well, that's going to take this much effort and here's what we can do in, in, in two days. You know, one of my favorite thing is, is when somebody asks you, Hey, can you do this real quick? And so they stand over you watching you do it. <laughs> oh man, that's an instant way to make me work. Really and, slow. and they're just like, well, why isn't it going any faster? It, <laughs> it can't. <laughs> Are you calling me you know, an it? Just, well, yeah, it's just, well, you know, they're like, you know, come on, this is, where is the easy we're spending button? all of this money on this program and you can't get it done any faster. I could probably sketch it out faster. Well, sure you could, but it's not going to be accurate. It's not going to be, you know, um, it won't have materials applied to it or this, that, or the other. I mean, you know, it, it's, you know, people think, oh, you know, and yes, and, and I simplified it earlier by saying, oh, it's just a tool. And yes, it is just a tool, but it's a tool that takes time, you know? And in fact, yeah. actually, 
that's something that a lot of firms are still trying to use the old model of the, you know, time that, you know, schematic design takes is just, you know, like a really small section of, of time, then design developments just a little bit longer. And then boom, everything is in, um, construction documents. No, and that doesn't work. And it doesn't work that way with them anymore because, well, yeah, that gets back to what I was saying earlier, where Revit forces you to make a lot of these decisions early. And so you spend more time there and, and, but see, you should, but you need to have the, you need to have the owners, you know, or, or the um, clients. Yes, really it's, a, it's a culture change, you know, because yeah. a lot of the, you know, like for the school board, I mean, they, the school systems, they have their contracts written around, you know, X amount of percentage for, you know, I won't go back through it, but, you know, X amount of percentage for all these different um, things that were phases, phases that we're yeah. doing. But it's not, it's the old way of doing it. It's not the BIM way of doing it now. And you need to spend so much more time doing it the BIM way and can, and having them understand that it takes a long time. I mean, I mean, crap, the, the, the project, you know, we were, we were talking about it earlier, Neil. It's just like, you know, you've got all of these things and right out of the box, Revit's not going to have everything that you need. I mean, you know, we were talking about all the different resources for all these different, you know, BIM programs that you can go to. But, you know, in Revit, when I was working on this historic project, do you think that Revit out of the box is going to have construction details and window details and windows and all this, that, and the other from a building that was built in 1896? No. (laughs) So what do I have to do? I have to build them. And it takes time to do that. You know, they're not, you know, nowhere in you know, BIM, are you going to find a wall type that is an 18 inch thick, solid masonry wall? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're just not going to find them. So you have to create all that stuff. And the owners don't really understand that. They just think, oh, it's just a drafting tool. Click, click, click. And you're done. That's a good thing. None of these owners listen to this podcast. Well, (laughs) well, but, but isn't that our job or our industries? (laughs) But, but you, you, you make light of that, but I think in all seriousness, it's, it's our industry's job to educate the public and, and, sure. or our clients and yeah. our, you offices, know, our and offices, our offices and our bosses. And, yeah. Everyone. We need to educate everyone. Um, you know, and it may not be true for every office because maybe not every office is doing BIM, right? I mean, I think a, a large part are not, which probably makes that conversation a little bit more difficult, right? Or it, harder to have because we're all used to the way we learned uh, traditionally in college and everything about, okay, like you said, you know, a little bit in pre-design, a little bit in design development, the big work, the, you know, the big chunk of the work is in CD phase. And with BIM, as we've discussed earlier, you know, that, 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 sh- uh, that curve has shifted and it moves more towards the pre-design and design development stage. Uh, and that's a conversation that's, you know, very different from, you know, what we've all learned uh, growing, you know, growing up in this industry. And so we have to change that conversation now with everybody that's involved. And not everybody's going to want to hear that, right? It, it, you know, we're, it, well, it's, it works just the way, you know, like you just said, said Corbin, yeah. can't, doesn't this program do this faster? <laughs> it's like, well, no, it doesn't. 
you know, it still takes time. I guess it's not a whole lot different than somebody standing over you while you're trying to draft, right? I mean, can't you draw those lines faster? <laughs> like, well, you know, you know, they only draw so fast, right? I got to sharpen that pencil every once in a while. And then there's another thing that we haven't even discussed about him, and that is if you a lot more clients are becoming a lot more technologically savvy. They're expecting. I don't know well, if I would use that word. They're because, uh, I don't know. The, some of ours are. Or the way he said that, a lot more, a lot more, what? Technologically expectant, okay. I think. Okay. You know, they just expect. I don't think they understand That's any true. of it. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, well, that's not necessarily true because I've had clients but, like send me mock-ups done in SketchUp. But, but hold on. You know, yeah. that, it's a little, well, kind of. A lot of people say they want something, but they don't know yeah, why kind, they want kind of a little bit different there, Neil, but but similar, but a little different. So sure. our clients, especially like, you know, public schools and things like that, they, they require now that the firms that they hire, you know, use some form of BIM because they want, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they want it turned over as a model and, you know, they have their paper uh, drawings, but they also have, you know, the model. Um, so if you're not, if you're in a firm, a smaller firm or something, that's not, if you're very reluctant to embrace it and you're not ready to kind of move into that, understand that you probably will be losing out of work too. Because it's not it's true, just right. the efficiency of, you know, the productivity, but it's clients are actually looking for things like that. I mean, if you're doing it right and you're doing a full, you know, Revit model and you've got all of your engineers and consultants on board and they're doing it too, I mean, you can do energy modeling. I mean, there's just so many different other things that you can do other than just creating architectural drawings out of it. There's, you know, you can find out whether, you know, um, if your daylighting strategy is going to work. I mean, you can, there's so many things and clients want that. You know, can you right. provide this to me? You know, well, I could if I was doing it in BIM, but since I'm doing it in CAD, no, I can't. Well, then why do I have right. you as my architect? Let me go get somebody that can do it. Yeah. Well, and Cormac, you bring up something that I recently acquired a, a, a 1987 <laughs> vintage Macintosh SE. I saw that. And here's something. Yeah. I, you know, I... The BIM machine. The BIM machine, yeah. Um, and, and it still works. It's kind of cool. But I, I want to bring something up else about BIM and technology because here's a machine that's, you know, what, 20, you know, 20, a little more than 20, almost 25 years old, right? And there's barely anything that I can, you know, anything that was created on that machine is almost almost to the point where you can't even access that data anymore right i mean it's it's so difficult and and so i guess what i'm getting at is you you just mentioned Cormac, the the model you know okay yeah they've got the paper stuff over there but everybody wants this model and we we mentioned earlier about how like each new version of revit you open the model in you know 20 um you know 20 2014 and suddenly that that model from 20 version 2012 or 2013 suddenly, you know, gets upgraded. And now you've got a, 
upgrade, you're stuck, stuck, right? We're only talking one year, right? (laughs) What happens when these models sit around if they're They're even even accessible, even if they're on a medium that's accessible? How useful is this information 20 or 30 years? I know they still want it, but I don't know why they want it. I'm asking kind of maybe another question is how do we deal with BIM and technology in our offices for the future, right? I mean, if if you just mentioned that 18, no, nobody's probably got plans of that building you were working on, you know, from the 1800s. But but, it was all building surveys. Yeah, no, they didn't. But but I mean, sometimes you make yeah, your exactly. own as built. I mean, but but everything's being drawn now, and and there's likely the chance that maybe there's some sort of copy of those plans that will that will live on, right? But but if if everything is just in this technology form or just in the digital form, you know, maybe maybe you can. I mean, I've got stuff that I produced in college using a program called Canvas. Um, and and Evan, you might remember that that program yeah. it was very great program. It was kind of like a merging of Photoshop and Illustrator in one program. You know, you could do vector work, vector um, graphics, and you could do raster graphics. It's very cool. I did all kinds of stuff in that program. It just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it does in a PC form, but it has no way of accessing those older files. I mean, I'm just like I have these data files that. Basically, I can't even open. There's nothing I can do. I can't even, you know, so unless I have a print of maybe what I created, that stuff's, it's dead. It's gone. Isn't this why you're collecting all these old computers? <laughs> maybe I can send uh, before. I could fire up uh, an old version of it, maybe. But but yeah. see, but that brings up another problem. A lot of at least those old programs, right, were on floppy disks. Well, these floppy disks now are 20 years old. And, and, and luckily, actually, I pulled a couple out and that are literally from 1988 and I popped them in this old Mac SE and they fired right up. And so I was lucky, but oftentimes yeah. those things just, they degrade and they, they go away and you, you you're stuck at that point. Oh, technology is suffering the human fate. <laughs> it is. Everything <laughs> gets old, degrades and dies. Well, I... Well, I think you're right about that. It's people are living yeah. longer, though, right? And so I, I think our data is living longer, um, and because people are starting to think about that kind of stuff. It's like websites, right? Now, if you if you've got a a site with a blog, you can take that blog anywhere. I mean, that's that's kind of the idea. I think with with this whole BIM thing is that you can. There's these. There are some some amount of of interoperability between all these file types where you can take your stuff to the latest, greatest thing and, and get some, you know, get most of the data back out of it. Right. If not all of right. it. Um, because people are trying to solve those problems. Well, so. I mean that, that I just, I guess I'm just trying to point out that it is a problem and it's something we should be trying to, in our offices, think about how we archive things so that we can, you know, maybe try and access this in the future. Because quite honestly, if you don't have, well, I'll give you a funny example. When, when I first started working in this office, uh, many years ago in the early nineties, um, they had this, uh, old plotter and the computer that it was hooked up to was this, uh, a compact uh, PC. And 
in order, it, it only had five and a quarter inch floppy drives. Obsolete. What, no, even in 1994, this was beginning to become obsolete, right? Well, you said compact, so yeah. well, well, compact <laughs> was a big deal back then. So yeah, it was. Um, and the funny thing was, is because compact was a proprietary, they made proprietary parts for their PCs, and so even though they were you know PC compatible machines, they were very proprietary with their mm. drives and other components that were inside of them. So you couldn't how Apple of them. Yes, exactly. I mean, you couldn't just go buy a floppy drive and stick it in there from somebody else, oh, and uh, or at least this is what I was told. So I'm sure there's maybe some listeners that know more information about it. But anyway, the point of the story is that all of our mach- gateway computers that we had uh, in the office all had three and a quarter inch drives. And that's what everybody was using. But many of us had to, in fact, every P, every gateway computer they bought had, they had to get it with a five and a quarter inch floppy at the time because they couldn't change out. And they were too, you know, I don't know what the costs were, right. But this, this goes back to how much does it really cost? Um, you know, the cost to replace the the hard, the the disk drives in this compact, you know, they didn't want to do that, and they didn't, they weren't going to buy a new machine. And it all sounds a little crazy right now, but you know, in 1994, computers cost a little bit more than they did today, so they weren't going to replace that machine. So every new machine that they bought, which wasn't very often, right, um, you know, had to have both sets of drives because if we wanted to plot, this was before we had a network in the office. This was back in sneaker net days, right? So in order to plot, we had to literally write our plot files to a five and a quarter inch floppy, take it upstairs, load it into the compact computer, you know, put in a string of, you know, DOS commands. This was before Windows too. So you had to write DOS commands to get the PLT files to plot to the plotter. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this, this was a problem we had in 1994, right? About older technology. We just got new problems. And so now we've, you know, they're, they're different, but they're similar types of problems is how do we access this data? You know, not only do we have the issue of, you know, are we using BIM or using CAD or, or what, but, you know, I think the, the archiving and accessing our data into the future or accessing the, the past data becomes something we have to be cognizant of and think about. Yep. Was it a pen plotter? Cool. Yes, (laughs) it was. (laughs) Those are fun to watch. Those were great. (laughs) That was long before the the laser type plotters. Yeah, this was a total pen pen plotter. Yeah. Especially when your pens ran out part of the way through the uh, the um, plot. Now the new problems are is when the client's in the office after a long marathon meeting, and he's like, um, hey, uh, can you print me out this, 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 and this so I can take it back with me? Sure. You go in, you ask them, and you're expecting it maybe five minutes, you know, to print all of this stuff out because they've got to find wherever the files are. And when they hit print, the print server goes down. <laughs> <laughs> and then the client's just sitting there. It's just like, it, we're rebooting everything. It shouldn't be, but you know, maybe just a couple more minutes, 10 more minutes go by, 15 minutes go by. You know, the guy's been waiting for, you know, now he's like, you know, changed his, his request to just two sheets of paper. And right. Yeah. Just and then, and it, then yeah. I was just like, you know what? Um, it's going, we're going to, you know, once we redo this, we'll print it out. 
and we'll put it, you know, we'll FedEx it to you because I know you need it. And, um, there's no way we're going to get it to you. Any <laughs> uh, you know, there's no more running over to the blue line machine. Abs- and say, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll just run that absolutely for you all the time. But the one time you need it, sure enough. Boom. I used to tell my students, you know, when I was teaching, I would say, when does the printer run out of ink? When the project yeah. is due. That's right. When does the computer crash? When the project is due. It doesn't matter how well you plan ahead. That's when everything mm-hmm. goes wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or when you're recording the podcast, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that, guys, let's uh, let's bring this one to a close. Um, if you have any questions or comments, visit our website at arcaspeakpodcast.com, where you'll find links to our individual Twitter accounts and the Arcaspeak Podcast Facebook page, which, by the way, we've gotten a, a message, actually, uh, through the Facebook page this week. So that was uh, great to get. Um, and also, too, don't forget, uh, you can call the Arcaspeak Podcast uh, hotline at 415 484 eight, four, nine, six. And we got another call from our favorite listener, Jess, uh, recently on that. So we we appreciate hearing from you and sharing your story, uh, on that. And if you haven't already done so, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. All right. Everybody stay subscribed and thanks for listening. Good night. Night. Good night.
Yeah.